Hello, everyone. This is Procedural Conversation, a game industry talk show. I'm your host, Chris Compendio, and today I'm here with Julie Trong, the Director of Business Operations at the Philadelphia Fusion. Julie, how are you today? Hey, Chris. I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, you know, as fine as I possibly could be right now. <laughs> it's uh, allergy season, and I actually just sneezed like five times before this uh, this call. Yeah, you might yeah. want to might want to get some Zyrtec or something. Uh, this yeah. podcast not uh, sponsored by Zyrtec, by the way. So, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so today, uh, I really wanted to talk about what goes on behind the scenes of the Overwatch League. Uh, me personally, esports and kind of the business of esports is kind of an unknown to me. So I, for one, am very curious about your career background and how you got to how you got how you ended up with the Philadelphia Fusion and um, how did how did one thing lead to another, if at all? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I definitely want to start out by saying, did I ever think that I was going to be in esports? and doing this as a career, no, like no way in hell did I ever think that I'd be in this position right now, um, but here we are. Um, but yeah, so I did grow up playing video games. I have two older brothers and, you know, we had a very strict mother who didn't let us go out, didn't let us go play sports. So, you know, she resorted to just buying us a console and, you know, telling us to go crazy. Um, so what I did, do a lot growing up was watch my brothers play video games. You know, I had one brother who was really into RPG games and then another brother who was into shooting games. So I got a mix of seeing like what both were like and I thoroughly enjoyed watching both. Um, and then eventually once they went to college, I had the consoles to myself. So then I started playing, I started playing hours and hours and hours. Like I was addicted to Halo and Gears of War at a certain point. Um, where it was becoming like really bad uh, and like messing with my grades and stuff. Um, so then I took my, like, I made the mistake of taking my console to Temple University, which is where I graduated from. <laughs> and the first semester I got like a 2.6 GPA. And that's when my brother was like, Julie, what are you doing? Like you, you need to stop playing video games. You can't make a career out of this. So like, come on, grow up. So, so then after that semester, I took my consoles and I brought it back home to my parents. And I just solely focused on school and, you know, the college life. So it's that was like 10 plus years ago, the last time I've actually like hardcore played video games. So that's a little bit of my childhood and how gaming was part of that. And then you know, I graduated Temple University, majored in accounting, majored in accounting because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I figured accounting is a general major. Everyone needs accountants. So if I ever wanted to switch industries, it would be really easy for me to do so. So yeah, spent four years, majored in accounting, got my CPA license. I did auditing for three years. I didn't really enjoy it because you're pretty much like the cops going into different companies, looking at their books, trying to find mistakes. And that's not, yeah, and that's not really what I wanted to do. So then I hopped over, I left auditing, I went to corporate accounting, 
and I went towards a real estate industry because that's what my busy season client was back when I was an auditor. And then I spent three years there, mastered everything I really needed to do. I kind of hit a wall. I couldn't really grow anymore. You know, I was becoming like that go-to person for everything. But at the same time, I didn't really have time to develop my own skills. So that's when I went to my boss and I asked him, um, hey, you know, what's the next step for me? Like, I think I can do more. I think I can add more value. And he didn't really have an answer for me. And I didn't like that. He, just, he said, you know, come back in six months and we'll reevaluate. So I felt like he didn't appreciate me as an employee. So then it was at that point where I was like, you know what? Accounting is the same everywhere you go. Let me find an industry that's more exciting. So that's where I found Comcast Spectacore. And I joined the current company that I'm at right now, um, September of 2017. And literally the day that I started, my boss told me, Julie, we just bought into the Overwatch League two days ago, and you're going to be managing the books. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, great. Um, I'll be honest. I, I, I didn't know what the Overwatch League was because I did research during my interview. But prior to that, I had no idea what Overwatch was um, mm-hmm. because I've left the gaming space, you know, 10 years prior or seven years prior at that point. You grew up, <laughs> quote yeah. unquote. I grew up, yes. So I was like, great. Like, I, I know I have a gaming background. Like, I, I'm, I have friends that are gamers. You know, my husband right now is playing League of Legends right next to me. So I'm surrounded. <laughs> uh, I know the culture. So I was like, this is like right up my alley, you know, combining accounting with esports. Like, let's let's do it. I was so excited. So then that's where it all started. I, you know, created the accounting books from scratch, starting off with just one department being, you know, general executive. It was Tucker, who's our president, myself. And then as the months went on, we grew our team to, you know, the GM um, of the team that we have. We hired the coaches, the players. Because that's obviously what we need first to start a team, right. um, and yeah. So I know I said a lot, <laughs> but that's I mean, how that's, I got into esports. That like, sounds like a success story to me. It's like, oh, yeah. I, I used to love video games as a kid, and I was told to outgrow it, and I like you went through all the practical professional experiences. You it didn't vibe with you, but you. You siphoned as much as you could from that. And then you kind of rounded back to your passion in a way. Yeah, it's weird. It like came full circle for me. You know, like I went, I followed the path, like the typical accountant path with a CPA license, auditing, corporate accounting. And then, you know, that's where I decided, like, how can I really be passionate about accounting? And I figured it's really the basis behind it. So if you find the industry that you really enjoy, which I enjoy sports, I enjoy competition, I enjoy gaming. So it's like, let's, let's merge the two. I just had no idea that it was going to be on the first day of my job at Comcast VectorCore. <laughs> wow. Yeah. First day that is, oh my goodness. Isn't it weird? It's kind of like it was meant to be. Yeah. 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 I try not to be so informal on the show, but that's, that's cool. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I have a pretty cool job. I'm not going to lie. But 
Do you find yourself, have you been playing Overwatch since then? Or have you been gaming in general since then? Have you gotten back to it? Yeah, so, you know, once they told me, you know, Overwatch League, I went and got a console. And I always hate to tell people this, but I'm a console <laughs> gamer. Me too. And, <laughs> and especially the players on our team, because, you know, they're, they're obviously professional PC gamers. So when I tell them that I'm on PS4 or Xbox, they're just like, ugh, like cringe. Um, but yeah, I did pick up the game. I did play it for a few hours. I wanted to know what type of game it was, the characters, the the style. Um, and it's a lot. Overwatch is a lot. So I'm excited for Overwatch 2 because I feel like that's going to help um, game, grow the audience a little bit more. Um, what the games that I'm used to is, you know, you play campaign mode for the first few days, and then after you master that, then you hop into competitive play. Yeah. But whereas Overwatch, there is no campaign mode. You kind of have to go straight into online multiplayer matches, which can be intimidating for a lot of people, which is why I'm really excited for Overwatch 2. Totally. And uh, it's fitting because I hear um, sighing and keyboard smashing in the background which i will not uh <laughs> which is fine uh, i think that adds ambiance really <laughs> i gave you full disclosure that he is literally playing league of legends right next to me maybe like five feet away sure <laughs> so yeah sorry no that's totally fine i mean you know this is a gaming show so um you know if there's gaming in the background who am i to complain about it <laughs> hey he's at least he's not being toxic <laughs> exactly yeah um thank goodness for that so <laughs> i kind of want to get into the nitty-gritty of your job at the mm -hmm. do you is it do you have to call it the overwatch league do you just say owl at any time that's a silly question i know but <laughs> no so we i mean we call it philadelphia fusion because you know we you know i i'm a director of business yeah. for philadelphia fusion which is part of the overwatch league um mm -hmm. but yeah we do call it owl all the time Especially in my emails and my spreadsheets, it's OWL is just much easier. Yeah, uh, it's just always that W, you know, just too many syllables for me. But uh, <laughs> anywho, I am so curious. Uh, this is kind of a broad question, but I want to know what it's like for you day to day. Um, you know, out, for for those who are kind of outside of the know of how how individual teams work. I just kind of want to know the day-to-day -day operations. What is the hierarchy like? Uh, what are the players' lives like? And let's pretend this is like in a, a time that is not uh, affected by a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I joined this company about three years ago. And the first two years, as I mentioned, I was doing like the accounting and finances for the team as as part of like maybe a third of my job because again, Fusion was just a brand new team. There wasn't that many staff members yet. You know, I didn't really need to de dedicate my whole time to esports. So originally what I was doing was building out the general ledger, figuring out what departments we need, figuring out what expense line items we need, figuring out what our revenue streams would look like and kind of creating that budget and that shell for the rest of the season. I wasn't so much on the op side until recently, the, um, this past year. So that's where all like the fun, interesting stuff is. Right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So like once I kind of mastered the accounting side of it, Joe Marsh, who was my old boss, who was um, CBO of Fusion, he took on a new role with T1, which is a joint venture with SK Telecom. And he is the CEO now. So now that he left Fusion, I can I kind of stepped in to backfill his role as the director of business ops. So mm -hmm. and I've joined the team in an interesting year because the first two years of the Overwatch League, all of our teams, all of the teams were based out of LA. So they're operating right. out of, yeah, they're operating out of out of LA. They're playing all their matches in the Blizzard Arena in Burbank, California. Um, so there wasn't much for me to do then except for just like looking at their expenses, look at what they're spending, saying no to this, you know, they want a, they want a jacuzzi in their house, absolutely not, that's an HR issue. Like <laughs> little things like that. Um, right. Yeah, so, but the third season, which is the season we're in right now, that's where the league decided to do this home and away structure <clears throat> and have the teams go back to their city. Yeah, so the year this year, the team has relocated back home to Philadelphia and that's where my role was really important. I needed to go find a training facility for them. I needed to find housing for them. And it's, you know, an esports team. Like there's a lot of things that you don't think of. Um, and you kind of have to learn on the fly. For example, when I'm touring these apartments trying to find trying to find housing for them, I need to make sure that there's enough space to put like a, a PC setup, you know. I need to make sure that it doesn't get too bright because they like the darkness when they're practicing. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> you know, and the training facility, I need to make sure that I put rugs underneath the desk because, you know, for stability purposes, they don't want their chairs rolling around. <laughs> so yeah, there's like a bunch of stuff that you don't think of. Um, and even like you need the, the desk to be a certain width because in FPS games, you need that that room to swing your mouse, you know, during the, the gameplay. Whereas League of Legends, you don't really need to do that so much during MOBA games. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so like what I've learned in this new role is that things are always changing. Like every single day, I'm learning something new. Every single week, there's some type of new initiative that came out, or the Overwatch League is doing something new. Um, so to, to be successful in this role, you have to be able to adapt to changes and kind of roll with the punches. Um, you know, just this morning I had a meeting with Flyers Charities. I'm trying to figure out how can we collaborate and kind of raise money during this pandemic and kind of give mm -hmm. back what we can. And, you know, I've come up with ideas of like auctioning the players peripherals, you know, having them sign it. <laughs> Because they change, like, you'd be surprised, but they change it pretty often. So wow, okay, yeah, that's that, that makes sense. I just never thought about that. Like right, just, like huh. in the office, we have two boxes full of peripherals, keyboards, and mice where the players aren't using anymore. And I think it would be a great idea to have them sign it and auction it off. Okay. <laughs> so that was this morning. Um, you know, there's just so much going on in the esports world. It's always changing. It's super dynamic. There's so many opportunities that you can do in this space. Um, and it really puts things into perspective when you're at home thinking about, okay, like what can we do since the players, like since we can't really come in contact with the players, we can't be there, we can't, like what's important to me is fan engagement. 
And there's not much we can do right now because, you know, the players, like, we, we can't go outside. So we have to think of creative ways, like doing online sessions or something, um, doing Zoom meetings or uh, live streaming or, like, Instagram live Q&A sessions. So it's it's a lot. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I, I think I'm just trying to figure out, uh, the, the spatial and like the geographic part of, um, the players lives because, um, and again, these are practical questions. So like, for example, most traditional sports, I mean, they, it's, it's teams drafting people and they might live anywhere. So like, so is, are the fusion players relocating to Philadelphia? That's that's a new thing from my understanding. Yeah, so that was a new thing that happened season mm-hmm. three. So like the first season, um, mm-hmm. we had a full roster of 12 people that were from nine different countries. So like we had a really diverse roster. And I like to tell people that's how we got our name fusion. Ah, <laughs> because we, were, right. we were a fusion of nine different countries. Um, but fast forward, yeah, but fast forward to where we are now, we have about a mixed roster of half Korean and half European. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then what kind of, again, practical, what kind of facility do you use for training? I mean, like there isn't any, you know, they're like football stadiums, but there isn't like designated esports buildings. I mean, do just... Uh, yeah, find so that a was, warehouse or something. <laughs> that was a huge undertaking on my end. So I, um, so luckily Joe Marsh is a uh, strategic advisor for Fusion. He found a location in Drexel, um, University City area. So we've leased out a floor in one of those buildings, and it was like an old, very very old science lab. I have before and after <laughs> Um Wow. That I can show you, but there were like these really big, long lab tables. There's like eye wash stations. Um, but again, like this is just temporary because our goal, okay. our goal is to have Fusion Arena up, you know, and kind of have the players practice out of there. So in the meantime, I kind of had to make this temporary office facility work for our season. And, you know, I hired contractors to take out these lab tables and then we bought, um, the adjustable tables for our players. Um, but there's a lot of factors that you have to consider as well. You know, you need a common area, you need a kitchen, you need a VOD, ro- a VOD room, which is a video on demand room where mm-hmm. the players and the coaches congregate and after their um, scrims kind of go over strategy. And at the same time, the league required all of the teams to have at least two practice areas for the away teams. Um, so that way, when they traveled to Philly, they had a place to practice. So I also fitted out two other rooms with 10 PC setups for the away teams to come and practice. So it's our training facility right now has one, two, three, four, six rooms. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. uh-huh. So it, it, was, it, was, it was quite a quite fun project. I learned a lot about IT. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you're you're doing all these things for these players, but how do you actually interact them like in 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 a 
professional and social capacity? I mean, do you would you often go to that facility or or any of those uh, places? And yeah, so like my my setup is actually like right on the other side of the wall of their um, practice area. We call it the Xfinity Training Facility. Um, yeah, nice and fancy. Um, but yeah, so like there is a language barrier for sure. Um, they like to joke around with me a lot. You know, they're young kids. They know that I'm like one of the oldest people in the org. So they like to mess with me. I'm like their mom. <laughs> um, the times that I do interact with them, it's because I'm like either yelling at them for drinking too much soda or not washing their berries before they, before they eat them. I remember one. I remember one specific instance where I see Funny Astro pull blueberries out of his grocery bag, and he just popped open the container and he was about to eat it. And I like yelled at him. I was like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "You have to wash those before you eat it." He's like, "No, I don't." I'm like, "Yes, you do." I'm like, "Fruits and vegetables, you have to wash before you eat." Um, so like little things like that. And one player drinks a lot of soda, and I try to like tell him to chill out <laughs> um yeah i mean that's that's as far as my interactions go with the players like i don't know enough about the game to talk to them about strategy sure, sure. you know i don't want to offend them so i'm more on the business side you know if they have issues with their payroll if they have issues with anything that involves money they know right. to come to me so that way i can you know my goal is to set them up for success, you know, give them all of the tools and resources that they need to do well. Cause obviously we want to be number one. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, go fusion, by the way, uh, yeah, we're, we're 11 and one right uh, now. I'm biased cause I am from Philadelphia. So, um, you know what I'm talking about? So you're, you're essentially their babysitter. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. With, when it comes to the players. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Okay. And I did want to talk about the hierarchy a little bit because you mentioned, you yeah, know, what totally. is the team really involved besides the players and the coaches? Um, I do like to highlight the fact that we have three coaches. A lot of people are shocked to hear that, like, oh, an eSport team, you actually have coaches? Yes. <laughs> we have a head coach, two assistant coaches. We have a strategic analyst who helps, you know, figure out what our strategy would be for the next week or the next you know match um we have a gm who communicates to the players the most so i talk to the gm a lot because he has the best relationship with the players and sometimes the players are too shy to bring issues up to me so they'll bring it up to him and then you know we'll, we'll kind of work it out we also have a social media coordinator that's super important because you know since we are technically like a digital brand if you will, um, content is important. Um, we have a designer, we have a video editor and a video producer, and we also have a marketing manager. And then there's myself. That actually, that transitions really well to my my next question because um, all all of these figures, all these people, um, like yeah, I I was one of those people. I didn't really realize that there were. Again, it makes sense, but I didn't realize that there were coaches for esports. Mm -hmm. So. Would you say that actually, um, actually participating in esports as a player is 
like helps to get a foot in the door to be in that type type of position. Like I, I I'm not really sure because like Overwatch is what a couple years old, I guess, a few years old. Overwatch the so, game itself, uh, yes. came out in twenty sixteen. Yeah. yeah, right, right. So the the concept of like a an Overwatch coach still seems like it's it's still kind of a new ish world. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, like who who are those people? Um, is it is it someone who it's, played the game at an expert level from an early like at at like um upon the time of release? Is it someone who's just really good at video games in general? <laughs> yeah, I think you know the our coaches are a little bit on not the older side, but they they I think they're 25 to 30. And I feel like the prime age to be a professional esports player is like 21, just because you need fast reaction time. It comes down to the millisecond. Um, but no, talking to look, I don't talk to the coaches that often. But when I do, I do know that they are avid gamers. You know, they enjoy Overwatch. They they just love the strategy side of things. Um, and they probably just weren't good enough to be a pro, or maybe they're past their prime. <laughs> sure. Um, oh wow! Yeah, I know it's weird to think that, right? Like twenty-five uh-huh. past your prime in 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 esports world. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's kind of how they got into coaching. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it's already too late for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, and and people in in you know your position or any sort of managerial or logistical position uh is is it from any peers that you know or like things that you've heard um and it's okay if you don't exactly know any one firsthand but would you say it's more of a case like you where you came from an accounting background and you kind of fell into that industry or is it more so like I'm all about games for like my entire life? Like this is <laughs> I was yeah. built for this. I would say it would be the latter of like the passionate hardcore gamers and kind of knowing that that's the career path that you want to do. Like for me, I think I got very lucky. It was it was kind of like the right time, right place for myself, and it just happened to kind of fall in with my skill sets. Um. But for other people on the team, I know that they've entered the space because they were very passionate about esports. They believed in the industry. They want to work hard to see it grow. Um, so just kind of raising your hand, being assertive, going out, going for what you want, networking, reaching out to people, and getting yourself out there. I think that is the best way to get your foot in the door. But you have to be well-versed in esports you know like for me i downloaded twitter because of my job (laughs) um (laughs) because a lot of times to keep up with everything that like esports doesn't sleep you know like esports Mm -hmm. is huge in asia and so the time given the time zones like there's constantly new content on social media surrounding you know esports so what what the first thing I did was I downloaded Twitter because a lot of times I get my information from there before I even hear it from my own team. <laughs> so I've kind of made a habit of opening up Twitter in the morning, kind of just like refreshing and reading through a few articles and posts 
And then at the same time, before I go to bed, I'll do the same thing, skim through Twitter, see what new stuff happened. Um, so it's a lot of staying on top. It's a lot of information. Like, you know how big esports is. There's so many different titles. Um, totally. So to be, to be able to stay on top of everything, you need to be very, very in tune with your phone, Reddit, Twitter, um, you know, everything. Right, right. Um, and it, it's arguably too large because there are always new games coming out and therefore new scenes and it just kind of becomes a becomes kind of a web and traditional sports are kind of the same way uh well they're the same way that there are uh, a a multitude of different sports and different leagues uh but not so much like there aren't regularly new sports that are coming in right um so I'm kind of curious um, comparing esports with quote unquote traditional sports, uh, specifically with in, ter- in terms of business and logistics. So, you know, I, I, uh, Comcast obviously into, obviously has its hands on a lot of different things, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, which I, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure it includes traditional sports. So, uh, and I'm not sure how much you're able to, yeah, how, how much I, you're able to kind of I learn about, about those. Yeah, sure. Um, um, yeah. Comcast owns Philadelphia Flyers as well, which is the hockey team here. Um, and, you know, Philadelphia Fusion, is just, which is my department or my business unit, if you will. And I can talk about the differences between the two and the similarities. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the biggest difference is like the obvious, you know, like, Hockey is a very physical sport, um, you know, and their players get paid millions of dollars. I think the minimum salary was like 500000 compared to Overwatch League, where the minimum salary requirement is 50000 <laughs> So it's a huge gap there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure as the e- industry grows, we'll see that, that figure grow for the esports side to be more in line with traditional sports. Um, But I think what's interesting is that there are a lot more similarities than there are differences between traditional sports and esports. You know, a lot of people don't know that we have a free agency period. You know, we have salary caps. Um, You know, we have all-star weekends. We have MVP awards. We have rookie of the year awards. Our revenue streams are very similar, you know, like with event ticket sales, merchandise, media deals, sponsorships. Um, We also have development leagues. So Fusion has Fusion University, which is a contenders team that competes in Overwatch. And the age age rage, ah, age, I can't even say it. Age, (laughs) you know what I'm trying to say. It's tricky. (laughs) Age range is from 13 to 18. Um, Yeah, and these kids actually get paid as well. Um, wow. <laughs> are you mind blown? I I am I am being mind blown like every five minutes of this conversation. This is fascinating <laughs> to me. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, there's development leagues that a lot of people don't know exist. And, you know, p- these players also get fined. You know, if they do something inappropriate in match or say something wrong, they'll get fined, just like traditional sports. And then there's practices. You know, our our team has a very uh very what's the word stringent practice schedule 
you know, they practice like eight, nine hours a day, six days a week. Um, you know, there's VOD reviews. You know, there's a lot of similarities between the two. That's just a few. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm like leaving toothless. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. No, I mean, um, it, it's 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 just kind of new to me, just the whole the whole scope of all of this, and mm-hmm. it. A lot of it shouldn't be surprising to me, but I, I think just kind of hearing it for the first time um, and just, just kind of realizing how large even... Because, you know, esports is already large because there are so many goddamn games out there, but right. um, even just honing in on just one scene and then even from there honing in on just one team, which is like... It's like unlocking my mind to like, you know, there are so many other Overwatch League teams and they're all, I assume they're all doing something similar too. Um, and it's just, it's just a lot of gears. Yeah. All of which, and as we are recording this, um, like there's obviously a pandemic going on and it's, it's so strange just having all of that just kind of stop all at the same time. Yeah. I mean, luckily since we are a digital industry, we were able to take our matches online. So like prior to COVID, totally. you know, all the teams in the league had to host these homestands and we all had to host a minimum of two. So what these homestands are would be like a weekend full of matches, um, hosting anywhere from four to four to eight teams. And luckily we were able to host one event at the Met Philadelphia on Broad Street. And that was held back in February of this year. And it was a huge success. Um, It was our first ever home game. So it was great to see all of our fans out there supporting us. Um, mm-hmm. The environment was electric. Like I always enjoy going to these esports events because, like, it just blows your mind every time. But then, with when COVID nineteen hit, the league decided to cancel the remaining homestands, and it's unfortunate because like our team was looking forward to traveling to all these different countries and competing. Like they were supposed to go to Paris, you know, Toronto, oh, wow. Vancouver. Oh, wow. And unfortunately, they don't. They didn't get to go anymore, um, so that sucks. But on the business side, we were able to save a decent amount of money because hosting these home plans <laughs> was extremely expensive. You know, like I've never put one together before in my life, and <clears throat> having to be involved in the day to day of pl- planning for this, you know, I realized it costs a shit ton of money. So, <laughs> like if you're not at a venue that's already fit out for an esports event, like it's just it's it's a lot of work. So you know, right, I don't know right. if you've been to the Met in Philadelphia, but it's really just a stage. So we had to figure out how to put the build this the the player desk and build in um the the really big screen that you've seen online. Um, and the labor behind that, like it, it was a lot of work and it was a huge undertaking. I mean, it was well worth it. Um, but like, you know, that's, that's where I am looking forward to fusion arena. Like I need that to start and finish soon. Right. Are you at a Liberty? I mean, are you at a Liberty to, I mean, you're speaking on behalf of the fusion, so I'm not sure if you can say what the plans are, or if, if there was Republic at all. With fusion arena. I- yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, the plans to build that have been put on pause because of the pandemic. You know, like mm-hmm. we had to really 
just for capital reasons as well. And just like the event and entertainment, the live entertainment industry has really taken a huge hit from this. And it's really been an unknown of when things would get back to normal. And even when they do get back to normal, will people feel comfortable and safe enough to go out to these events? Uh, exactly. Right. right. So it's a huge question mark. So I just, I'm pretty sure it will get delayed, unfortunately, but like I said, well, <laughs> got to roll with a bunch of. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I cannot wait to see that come to life at some unknown point in time, but mm-hmm. that sounds it. really exciting. Yeah. So let's talk about some practical considerations, uh, barring a pandemic. So, you know, going back to normal times. <laughs> um, so it's really cool hearing um, how similar esports can be to traditional sports. So I'm wondering what's unique to the Overwatch League and I suppose video games in general. Uh, you you mentioned your excitement for Overwatch 2 at some point. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's, you know, football, basketball doesn't have to... There is no football 2 right. that comes out. There is no, like, you know graphics and aesthetic and mechanical changes that yeah. comes with football right. really so and this happens you see this in like fighting games all the time you know like when you look at an evo like tournament and the the rotating roster of games every year yeah i would i would definitely i would say that is by far like the biggest difference between traditional sports and esports is esports can change like every week you know like the gameplay can change like even just going from year one to year two we had overwatch league started with 12 te- 12 teams and then the second year they added eight more teams um so now we're at 20 teams but mm-hmm. yeah so like the the way the le- the leagues can ch- not the league the developer can change the meta of the game is just something that traditional sports doesn't have to struggle with right um you know, especially this season with the Overwatch League introducing um, hero pools. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but this is where the league will take out certain characters every single week from the gameplay, so you can't play them at all. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so this changes week to week, and, and they actually introduced this, like, March of this year. So it didn't really give our team and our coaches time to plan for that this, this was like a, a new change that we didn't see coming. Um, so now that they implemented it and it rotates every single week, it's it's definitely posed some challenges for our team. You know, um, you know, for example, if we had a player that was a one trick and was only good at that one character and the league decided to ban that character for that week, then you're kind of like irrelevant unless you go and master another character. So it's, it's, yeah, it changes the complexity of the game. It changes um, the composition. It adds stress. But it also, from a viewership perspective, it makes things very interesting. (laughs) That's right, yeah. (laughs) Because you'll see new characters that you you usually don't see in the game getting played. um, And it's always fun to watch new things. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, to me, it sounds like, you know, what if... What if football, what if they, every week they got rid of a few positions? I know. It's, it's, <laughs> I know the, the, cube, the quarterback is the kicker now, let's right. say. 
And like, you know, the game developers can just nerf and buff certain characters anytime they want. And like, you can't do that in traditional sports. You know, that's right. In basketball, that's equivalent to like, if you were to uh, nerf a three point shooter, that means you would get rid of the three point line and like all points are worth two. Like, Mm -hmm. the fact that esports can implement that pretty quickly versus traditional sports, if they wanted to do that, it would take like a whole season and a bunch of approval flows to actually get that going. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Weekly so. patch notes for basketball. <laughs> <laughs> that would be insane. <laughs> no backboard for one week. No <laughs> oh backboard for a week. Wow. Um, so is, is, there, is there a commissioner of the Overwatch League? There is. there is for traditional sports. Okay, I'm just yeah. wondering because, like, it's it's not it's it's not Blizzard who who um, makes these decisions for the league, is it? Is it? It's like an in, is it more of an independent organization? Is it a tangent to Blizzard? I'm not actually um, sure. I mean, I I feel like it has to be Activision that makes these decisions right. on making changes to the game itself. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah um right yeah that's it's not even just like overwatch 2 it's it's even within overwatch 1 there are still changes that are being made regularly and there are new heroes being added yeah um that's that 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 just changes everything even just one new character right i mean they added um they seem to add one like every quarter it seems like Mm -hmm. so right now there's 32 heroes um, but like I just learned in League of Legends, there's like over 140, which is insane to me. <laughs> right? Yeah. If you want to be a professional gamer, then you really have to understand every single one of those champions to, to really be good at this game, and that's a lot of dedication and time. <laughs> Couldn't even imagine. That's, um... Me neither. But I mean, look at Faker. He's like the Michael Jordan of League of Legends, so <laughs> he did it somehow. So it's not impossible. And I I think a problem with the ever-evolving landscape of video games is there's that problem, and a lot of of games have gone through this, where there's a new iteration or a new edition or a new patch or whatever, and what if people just don't like it as much as the previous one? And that kind of, you know, you, you might see this in fighting games like with Street Fighter or Smash Bros, where it kind of splits the community. Yeah. Whereas, like, um, I feel that Overwatch, uh, you know, Activision Blizzard making it, making Overwatch 2 compatible with Overwatch 1, that to me feels like future proofing mm-hmm. so that the show must go on and, like, there was no chance of that split. Um, do you feel like that was made in mind? Do you feel like that decision was made in mind of the competitive scene? Yeah, I mean, what I've been told is Overwatch 2, like anyone who has Overwatch 1 will be able to play Overwatch 2, and anyone who has Overwatch 2 would still like, I think they're trying to merge the two from what I was getting from it. Um, so that way it wouldn't be a split community. Like, I'm pretty sure our team will be playing Overwatch 2 once it comes out, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and that that's a weird thing to me because that kind of defeats the. I mean, this is getting uh, into more philosophical discussions about what is a sequel because yeah. the the two just kind of confuse me because 
is there really a point to upgrading to Overwatch 2 if it functions the same, but, you know, maybe the graphics are better? Um, at that point, it just... And this is kind of cynical of me to suggest, but it feels like a like an advertisement. Like, hey, this is the new thing. All the pros are playing it. You got it, too. I, w- I mean, I would say Overwatch 2 would be different than Overwatch 1 because they're introducing these co-op missions that you could kind of team up with your friends and kind of complete together. There's going to be new maps. There's a story mode, which is what I'm most excited for. All right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mentioned before, like it's, you know, it's equivalent to the campaign modes that I'm used to seeing when growing up. Um, So I think it's going to have a huge impact on the community in a positive way. For example, I have little cousins that come over every day to play Overwatch, but they never want to jump into like a, a competitive match they're too scared to do it because they haven't <laughs> yeah. right they yeah. haven't played enough so like you know they're playing against the ais but like that can only go so far like you know mm-hmm. I, I think if there was a campaign mode that i've i had them play they would feel much more comfortable jumping into a multiplayer battle online and feel confident whereas right now there isn't the option to do that yeah that's true totally mm-hmm. um I guess we'll see whenever that whenever Overwatch Two comes out. I know um, I have no idea. So. I mean, and it's even more unknown now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I am. This is more so your personal opinion that I'm kind of asking for. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that it's important for the Overwatch League and, by extension, esports in general to gain? To gain some sort of mainstream recognition, um, I, you know, I always mention the story of like I was at a bar and I looked up the TV and they were playing Overwatch on ESPN. Um, and there's always talks about, you know, what if esports were in the Olympics? And on the other side of that, there's the whole idea that video games are maybe at best just not athletic enough, and maybe at worst they are like child's play let's say um so yeah the relationship between esports and the rest of the world and i guess the rest of the sports world do you feel it's important to kind of get the approval of all of those other parties or do you do you think it's more important to you know just have fun with it we have our own little thing here with overwatch league yeah screw everyone else let's just do our own thing no i 100% think that it's always worth debating. And I actually love going into debates with people about whether or not esports is a sport. Um, hmm. It's just interesting to see their perspective and understand where they're coming from. And then, you know, I kind of teach them about what I've learned and what I've seen um, the past three years. And they just have to accept it. I always tell them, I'm like, look, esports is the future. Get with it. Like, just be <laughs> just be supportive, you know, like technology is only going to get better and more people like more people are not going to want to get injured. You know, like football is very physical. Um, these traditional sports, you know, you're very prone to injuries that can last, you know, that can affect the rest of your life. Uh, not to say that there's no injuries in esports. You know, there's wrist injuries. There's back injuries, too, which is also why I stress fitness with my team. They kind of ignore me. Right. <laughs> they do. I'm like, come on, did you guys work out today? Did you guys work out? They're like, 
Yeah, I did in the morning. I'm like, you're lying. <laughs> they get up at like 1130. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, when you say like mainstream recognition, like I honestly wouldn't be surprised if I see like an Olympics in the future. Not huh. Olympics, you know, we'll have an mm-hmm. Olympics just for esports. Yeah, I definitely see that happening. And, you know, Overwatch League is already being broadcast on like ESPN. You know, I went bowling once and I saw it. Like I saw, I saw highlights from the Overwatch League on the TV, like right above me. And I was like, whoa, I was like, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's already on YouTube. It's, you know, Disney was broadcasting it. So it's definitely getting that recognition. Yeah, like esports is just like the next big thing for us. And I'm honestly like happy to be a part of it and watch it grow. That's, that's cool. And Disney, I guess that makes sense because if you have kids who are into Overwatch and other video games, um, that is a good audience to take, to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Julie, you and I first met uh, in the city of Philadelphia uh, during the For the Women Summit. Yeah. Uh, that was hosted by Nerd Street Gamers and... Uh, and Comcast, I presume, had a huge hand in organizing that. Yep, T1 um, as well as Philadelphia Fusion. Totally. Um, so I kind of want to briefly revisit the topics. You're you're on a panel. You're wonderful on it. Um, and my first. Panel. I. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I had my first panel a couple months ago. It was nerve wracking. I was sweating the whole time. And this is my first (laughs) podcast. Like this is my first podcast too. So like you should feel special. You broke my podcast virginity. You're, you're making a, this is your debut. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's it's exciting. Um, So you were, you were, you and the other panelists and, you know, the whole theme of that summit was basically inclusivity in esports spaces. And I'm curious, um, and this might be like regurgitating stuff that, you know, you and peers were saying up there, but how do you think that Overwatch League and other esports leagues can make better strides in having people on the margins, especially women? Because um, I... (laughs) I don't know the exact gender makeup of of the fusion, but I can take a guess. <laughs> uh, and I and I'm talking both behind the scenes and also um, actually at you know playing in in front of the um, the screen. Right. Um, I would say I I believe the Overwatch League themselves has have been doing a great job with including women. In, in, in front and behind the scenes, you know, for example, more than 40% of the characters that you can choose from are women. And, you know, I find that to be really great for myself because, you know, like my main is a female character. I'm not going to lie. It is. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. even on the backside, like all the, all the staff members that I've worked with on the Overwatch League side of things, a lot of them were women. So I know that they're doing their part and in being inclusive. Um, and for Fusion, yes, I think I am one of three women on the team. So we are definitely underrepresented here. Um, but that's honestly because, you know, when I'm looking through resumes to hire people, there's not that many females represented um, in the mix. And I feel like that's just because a lot of women don't know that there's a career path 
that you can go after on the esports side of things. So that's why we created initiatives like FTW to kind of shed light on like, hey, like there's women in this space, there's opportunities for you. Um, you know, like you can definitely follow your dream if you do want to be in esports. And, you know, you kind of just have to raise your voice and speak up and let us know like, hey, I'm here. Also figure out like what you can do to add the skill sets that are needed to be a part of a team. Right, right. You know, I I um I kind of want to hear like a you know, your ideal future. I mean, do you think esports is on the way to being a little to be more gender blind than traditional sports because American football. It's all. It's all men. It's all got to be men. Right. No. I. Same with like I, everything. We got to have the W. The WNBA <laughs> and the NBA. Um. But you know, behind the controller, it's. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> right. So that's why I think that we can definitely become more of a gender blind space than traditional sports. Um. Mm-hmm. Simply because, like, you don't need physical strength to succeed in esports. Um, it's really, it's a lot of a mental thing, um, in reaction. So, you know, you've seen it in Hearthstone where men and women are sharing their stage in the finals. And honestly, like that is a goal of mine to have our first Philadelphia fusion female player like that. Like, I can't wait for that day to happen. And I know that it will eventually happen. So that's like something I'm looking forward to. Like, and, mm-hmm. and that's why I love esports so much and why I'm so passionate about it is because you can level the playing field between men and women, boys and girls. So yeah, that's that's something that's close to my heart. Right. And do you think the do you think the culture of Overwatch and gaming at large is allowing for that to happen? Because, you know, there is obviously toxicity. Uh, both online and you know on the floor yeah I, and i'm very aware of toxicity <laughs> you know like i hopped into my i hopped into my first competitive overwatch game and like probably not a good idea for me because i don't understand the compositions as much as i should so i'm picking characters that are, that are out of the norm and i'm getting people messaging me like hey can you switch to this person or like you know, after one match, someone messaged me saying, like, you're trash, but you kind of just have to ignore those comments. I mean, obviously, if you're in it, then speak up and say, like, yo, like, calm down. Um, right. You definitely have to swat that type of behavior away. Um, mm-hmm. But if they're messaging you, like, you have the option to ignore it. And as much as it can hurt, sometimes you kind of just have to have thick skin, you know, like, everyone was raised differently. So that's my biggest thing when I try to tell people, if someone's being nasty to you, you don't know where they're coming from. You don't know how they were raised. You kind of just have to be the bigger person and speak up for yourself and then kind of just ignore it. It's going to be really hard to combat toxicity in game because like communication is so important to like a lot of esports and it needs to be like live communication. You can't, you know, some people tell me like, oh, why don't you just filter out the bad words or filter out, you know, that type of behavior. But it's really hard to do that because, you know, it's a, it's, it's esports. It's a competitive game. You know, like people are going to get upset when you're competing. You know, you see people fighting in hockey. You see people fighting 
in football. Like it happens, your emotions are involved. So I really think, you know, if you do want to succeed as a female gamer specifically, you really, really have to have thick skin. Right. Um, and with that, I'm curious, do you feel that, because, you know, this is still, you know, there, there's, there's the gaming aspect of it, there's the competitive side of it, but this is ultimately, this is a workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, and this is, again, personal opinion, but I, I'm wondering if you feel that Overwatch League in particular, or if you just want to talk about the fusion in particular, um, do you feel that that workplace is safe and inclusive? Because I think ideally, like, you know, every, everyone kind of needs thick skin, like, regardless for those competitive um, scenarios. But I think ideally, um, everyone should be obviously treated the same. And do you feel that the fusion has that healthy of a workspace? For sure. Like, I mean, I'm technically like the boss of our office. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I have zero tolerance for that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. When I see people being rude or even being slightly mean, I'm always in there like, yo, chill out. You know, like I'm the adult of the room. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But no, I try to make sure that everyone has a fair and equal opportunity to succeed. You know, for example, you know, I mentioned earlier, half our team is Korean and half our team is European. So like we, we used to provide meals for our players and it's really hard to find a meal that will satisfy everyone on the team. So, you know, some days we would order Korean food. Some days we would order American food. Um, and some people wouldn't like it. You know, some of the Korean players would throw it out and go head for the ramen, the instant ramen. And to me, I was just like, guys, I have so much MSG. Like, please, like, don't eat that every day. Um, <laughs> so then, you know, I talked to the GM of the team, and then we came up with the idea of just giving them per diems. You know, we'll give you lunch per diems, so that way you guys can go get what you want. Uh, <laughs> so that way it makes everyone happy. It's fair. Um, you know, that's, I feel like that's my number one goal, which is to make sure everyone on our team, players, coaches, and staff members, are happy and comfortable um, going to work every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it certainly helps to have a woman in an authoritative position. Oh yes, <laughs> uh, right. And I, I'm, I'm wondering if that, you know, if having women and you know other maybe you know non-binary people uh, having them in positions of authority, if that kind of helps to facilitate potential non-male overwatch players <laughs> in the teams yeah i really hope so it's all about like showing showing your face like that's why you know i you know i've mentioned to you before i i'm not i've been a public speaking and i tend to be a very shy person when it comes to like public spaces um but i do this because i want to let women know that hey like we are here and we're doing our job successfully and there is room to grow for sure in esports. So I just want to welcome women who wish and desire to work in esports to really pursue their passion. Mm-hmm. Julie, you are fighting the good fight out there. Uh, I'm and I really <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, we're hitting over an hour, so I think we can wrap it up. That was a really fascinating and educational conversation, I think. Yeah, it went really, it went by really fast too. So um, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I am going to give you the space to uh, plug any social media and plug whatever the heck you want while you have this platform. So uh, have at it. Sure. Um, follow us, Philadelphia Fusion. We are active on Twitter, Discord, Instagram, um, Facebook. I've been trying to get on TikTok, but <laughs> it's hard to do that when the players can't come out. And right. they're also very shy. So, like, could you imagine asking them to do a TikTok video? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we are currently 11-1 and one right now, number one in the Overwatch League. Um, our season is still going on until the end of September. So please follow us, watch us on YouTube Gaming, and cheer us on. Heck, yeah. Awesome. Um, I can't wait until I can finally go to one of these uh, matches. <laughs> Me too. I really like we were supposed to have one Memorial Day weekend, which is like right. next weekend, but mm. we had so many fun things too. Like I, I was gonna do a block party. I wanted to make the Met Philadelphia like the destination to be during Memorial Day weekend, but then of course Yeah. It got canceled. Yeah. So Yeah. But there'll be more. Mm-hmm. Uh, as of now, th this episode is probably going up July or August, so hopefully the world will be different by then, uh, but we'll see. Uh, Hope for the best. Scary stuff. Uh, anyway, uh, you can follow me at Compenderizer on Twitter, uh, and that's going to do it for today. Julie, thank you once again. Thank you, Chris, and thanks for having me. It was really fun. Absolutely. Yeah, this is awesome. And uh, hit us up on Discord, and we'll keep the conversation going. Goodbye. Bye.